Okay, welcome back. We ended about uh, by talking about resentment and about how you know, when you hold on to resentment, it's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And we'd been talking just before that about kind of how we choose, right? How we choose what our emotions are and stuff like that. And I've got another quote I love, which is, it's about how we choose our clothes every day. Why don't we choose our emotions in the same way? You know, Ooh, I like that. Yes? I might need to write that one down. Might we, might we nicking that one? I like that. We choose our clothes but we don't choose our emotions. Absolutely, but we could, right? You know, you can open your wardrobe and go, okay, I'm gonna wear this shirt today or this dress or whatever, right? You can pick what you're gonna wear. You can pick the matching shoes and everything else. Well, if you know in advance some of the situations you're going into in that day, you know some of the people you're gonna be dealing with, what, what tends to happen? People build things up in their head, and once again, I've mentioned this in a previous episode, Quite often they'll picture like a worst case or a best case scenario as opposed to the real scenario. Yeah, as in we'll be scared of, of meeting with someone and we'll pitch all these things that are going to go wrong and we're already preempting the negative emotions we expect to feel. And you know that phrase that, you know, the number one fear in the UK, whether it's exactly true or not, but the number one fear in the UK is public speaking because we're scared we're going to die on stage. The only person who's ever died on stage is Tommy Cooper. And he died laughing. So if I'm going to go, trust me, I want to go that way. But what's more interesting about choice, my wife is a child and adolescent psychotherapist. The question is, she spends her whole life disseminating everything that's happened in the past. Now, you know more than anyone who's heard me speak that you can't change your past. You can just deal with it. Yep. But there are some people who want to spend the next five years regurgitating a story that one can't be changed Worse than that, no one can go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start right now and make a brand new ending. So we know we can't change the past, but we do love listening to misery stories. And then we enroll other people in listening to misery stories, and now you've got a collection of people who belong to the BMW brigade. And they're the bitching, whining, bitching, moaning and whining people. And they love a good moan. So you go to an airport and you'll find a whole collection of people who are moaning about the service but they're not doing anything about it. So in the last episode, when you spoke about your choice of how you get back from the middle of Boise Island to Hannah to, to going back to London, you have a choice how you deal with it. The question is for everyone who's listening to this podcast right now, what choices do you need to make? Why aren't you making them? And why are you holding on to stuff that doesn't service you? Which goes back to our original podcast about your baggage. Why would you hold all that negative baggage and go to another country? You let go of the baggage when you go to a travel agent. Sorry, when you go to an airport, you don't carry the same bag. Now the question is, what choices do you need to make and why are you avoiding those choices? Yeah, well, there's a, the, again, bit of a sort of catchphrase moment again, but I love that kind of saying of, you know, I went somewhere else to start my life again. The problem was I took me with me. Right, because so many people kind of do that. It's like I'm going to change something really big and radical in my life, but they don't look at themselves. But what's worse than that, if you're not happy where you are and you're not okay with yourself, and you leave your job, 
and you haven't sorted out your fundamental issues, you end up working with someone who looks just like the person you left. Exactly that. And that and same it, thing happens in relationships. Exactly, exactly. Whether it's whether it's career, relationships, friendships, you know, even the relationship we have with ourselves, you know, you talked about like weight loss and stuff like that in an earlier episode. It's the same thing there. You know, how many people get into this cycle of I'm going to do this thing for like six weeks, eight weeks, if they even make so it that So you're me that doesn't work? I no. thought I'd just die for eight weeks and I go out to eating all the same shit I was eating before. No. Are you saying that doesn't work? I am saying that doesn't no. work. No! Yeah. I've been doing that for 30 years. I lose all the weight and then I celebrate with a McDonald's. Yeah. See, and one McDonald's wouldn't actually do you any harm. But, but supersize those great. Um, when you keep doing it as well, right? And, you know, let, let's, let's look at this from a slightly different perspective. Let's imagine you've got someone who's, I don't know, a heroin addict or a crack cocaine addict, okay? And they get to, you know, they're 90 days clean and sober. You wouldn't go to them, hey, that's great. Do you want to celebrate with a hit? But you know why we do that? Because we're not sure how to celebrate success because we're always looking for the next goal or target. Exactly. And if you're okay with yourself, and the choices you make service your life from where you are, there's a chance of success. But you need to do something that's really radical, and it's called having a support team around you. Yep. So who's in your mastermind team that are going to challenge you on your choices, support you on your choices, but more importantly, and I'm sorry to have to say this on the podcast, call you on your bullshit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you know the thing with that? I mean, I just want to cover something slightly, use the term mastermind team, right? I know there's a lot of people out there run like paid masterminds and things. I mean, I've run them myself in the past, okay? I know you have too. Um, Mastermind doesn't have to be people you're paying to spend time with. It's just the group of people that you've made a bit of a pact with around the thing you're trying to do, right? Well, I wrote a book called 10 Heads Are Better Than One. And if you have a collective group of people who support you in your group, and who do something very radical called tell the total truth faster. So I belong to a training group where people used to say to you, the reason I'm telling you is because I love you enough to tell you the truth. So I think we, Neil and I, right now are telling you the truth that if you want to get on with your lives, you need some other people who are going to tell you your total truth. So you share your goal. Yeah. And you need people to call you on your truth. Absolutely. It's also, I think, having what I'm going to call safe phrases with certain people, okay? So my wife and I... I don't want to know about your sex life here. Well, yeah, well, I was about to say my wife and I. (laughs) (laughs) My wife and I actually, um, and this comes from when we did Tony Robbins' Date with Destiny together. Now, I say together, they separate you from anyone you go with. So we weren't, we were at the event together, but we hardly saw each other during the six-day event. But there was a, a particular phrase that was used there that we both held on to which is, we, we basically, um, we will say my hallucination is, right? So if there's something that she's doing or there's something that I'm doing that we want to call each other out on but we don't want to cause offence, we just go, look, my hallucination right now is that this is happening. As in, I might be wrong, but this is what I'm seeing, and I don't want to upset you or offend you or anything else, but I want to call you out on it. And if we start it with my hallucination is, the other one knows it's come from a place of love. Okay, so I want to go in a different type to that. So we have big Friday night dinners here, and every Friday night looks like Christmas Day for everyone else. About six months ago, we are having Friday night dinner, 25 people. We've got desserts, we've got the soups, we've got everything out, and we've got hot puddings, we've got choice of ice cream. And my wife asked me to get bowls out. So I get the bowls out, we're all ready to serve, 
and all of a sudden she asked me, where are the spoons? In that moment of time, there's a fight going on because obviously I haven't put the spoons out and a friend of mine who's another therapist just whispered in my ear, it's not about the spoons. There's something else going on in your life. So our phrase in our houses, it's not about the spoons, is our safety that says the issue we're dealing with is not this. Mm -hmm. There's something else going on. So in your mastermind team, and I believe everyone who's listening to this podcast should be part of some sort of mastermind group, three or four like-minded people who love and care enough about you to tell the truth can understand what the real issue is. And before you start telling one how wonderful your life is, what are some of the challenges you're facing, not problems, challenges you're facing, and are you willing to really share the total truth? Yeah. So when I, two and a half years ago, roughly, when I had my brain aneurysm, I wasn't telling anybody that my blood pressure was 220 over 140. I wasn't telling anybody that I just was feeling tired, my blood count was low, because I didn't think people cared. Mm -hmm. When 145,000 people read your blog, you then start thinking people are interested. So who do you need to share your goals with? Who do you need to get people to call you on your stuff? But more importantly, what do you want? And if you don't know what you want, you can't get your mastermind team to support you. Absolutely. So maybe we need to start thinking about, we're okay with ourselves, we've let go of some baggage, but what do we want? And how clear are we on that as well? Because, you know, again... I don't know if you've ever done this when you've been speaking on stage. I've certainly done this to a few people. Um, if you've got people in the room who, for example, they want to make more money, right? I would just ask the question of like, raise your hand if you want to make more money. And all these hands go up and I'll just walk up with someone and I'll give them whatever change I've got in my pocket. And it's like, there you go. You've, you've reached your goal. And they look at me like a blank face. Like, what do you mean? That's not what I meant. It's like, well, what did you mean? You know, what was the amount? What was the actual specific thing you were trying to do? Because if you're vague and you just go, I want more of X or I want less of X, how do you actually measure when you've done that? And how do you actually put a plan in place for more of something? You don't. And, what's and so I really, think goals got to be really like on the money. You so know? I don't want to get into certain parts of goal setting, but I will tell you, when people say they want more vacation, people often become ill. Yeah. And because you've now got more time off work, but not for what you really wanted. Often, God will make sure you get exactly what you want because he's only listening to your messages out loud. Yeah. So we often say when you have a dream, it's really like a purchase order to God. You've got to be really clear. Now, you can have whatever religion you like, whichever spiritual lead you want, but at some point you put it into the universe and somebody will provide what you've asked for. And then you often complain, well, that's not what I meant. Well, what did you mean? Yeah. And I'm sure over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at goal setting at a much higher, um, not a higher position, but in a much bigger way, because goal setting is one thing, vision setting is something else, being purpose-driven is something else, and it's totally different. And I'll put money on, most people listening right now have no idea what their vision is, and no idea what their purpose is, but they've probably got an idea of some of the goals they want to achieve. And if you know that every time you hit a goal, someone comes up with what's next or is that enough, you've got to be living to your vision. Yep. And then you need to have a higher purpose. And I'm sure over the next six weeks, we might get to a point where I share my purpose, which is on the back of my business card, which has always thrown people because I want people to support me and I want to be doing work in alignment with my purpose, not just in alignment with my goal. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I actually think like values... 
have to sit so high. You know, if you're living in accordance with your values, which is another way of saying purpose to some extent, or the two things dovetail together, you know, that is, that's what life's about, right? It's not always, going back to goals, I always think it's not always necessarily about the outcome. It's about who you become to get the outcome. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. Who you become to get the outcome. To get the outcome. Because, you know, you you're not going to be the same person as you are at the beginning as precisely, you get to the end. Precisely. And I mean, a really good example of this is, is Rocky, the movie Rocky. Right, you watch Rocky, the first Rocky film. He doesn't win the fight. He doesn't win the fight, but it's the man he becomes. Adrian! Adrian! Never seen you got it. it. Right? Okay, even if you've never seen <laughs> no, it. No, it, it's yeah. one of my ultimate dreams. Because you know how he started with that? Do you know how yes. he started with that film? Yes. He wanted a star in it. Yes. And he got turned down by everybody. And he found one independent film producer, which is no different to the Chicken Suit for the Soul books, which 33 people turned down. And I'm sure there'll be people that will turn down our podcast and eventually it will get picked up. It's the same thing in most things we do in life. If your why is big enough, you'll reach a goal. Absolutely. And maybe next week we'll talk about goal setting and how to really structure your goals. Sounds like a good idea. But I mean, I think just on the sliced alone thing, just one other little thing in there that not everyone knows. He got to the point where he was so short of money when he was trying to like hold on to the part of Rocky that he sold his dog. Do you know this? Not the bulldog that's in the film. Yeah. So he stood outside of a shop because he couldn't afford to feed the dog, right? And this is, this is how I heard the story anyway. Um, and it may not be 100% factually correct, but hey, I'm, you know, I've heard it more than once from more than one source. So I'm, Trust I'm me, we'll have, some, we'll have some elephants who are listening to this program. Who will go gonna, look it up. Who will go yeah, and look absolutely. it up. We'll find it next week. Absolutely. It'll be in the comments somewhere, <laughs> yeah. right? But um, my understanding is he stood outside of like a corner shop because he couldn't afford to feed his dog. And so he sold the dog. Right, And then when he eventually sold the film and he had some money, he ended up stood outside the same shop, like trying to get his dog back. And eventually the guy sold it to him, passed it, I want to buy my dog. So like, it's not your dog, it's my dog. It's like, no, I want to buy my dog. Yeah, no, it's not your dog anymore. It's my dog. I love the dog too. And eventually he did get to buy the dog back, but both the dog and the man he'd sold it to were in the film. How cool is that? So I'll see you next week. Let's think about our goals so we're ready for our goal setting for next week. Absolutely. That sounds like a good place to start. So if you're tuning in, what is your number one thing you want to achieve this year? Your best year. It's not-